0: And Welcome to Sporting Directors Corner here on Get Football Plus, where we aim to look at football in the context of Sporting Directors, delve deeper into this multifaceted role and its impacts within football across the globe. My name is Shailash, I'm the CEO at Get Football Group, and I'll be your host today. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, David. David, how are you this morning? I'm well, Shailash, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, looking forward to, to talking about this topic it's a little bit more uh, I guess uh, nuanced so sh- sh- shall we say so we'll see where it actually uh, takes us but uh, so today we're, we're actually going to talk a little bit about egos and the reason we're going to talk about egos is um we mentioned it in the last episode where we were looking at you know Chelsea and, and AC Milan you know and big money transfers and and you know we, we made a comment there about what's in the room. You know, in a football club, you know, you have egos, you have alphas, you have all of these different types of people. And I think one of the areas I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into was, you know, with regards to sporting directors, do they need an ego, you know, or should they be able to massage an ego? But before, before I asked you that question, David, just to give a, a little bit of perspective, you know, when you look at what the actual definition of an ego is, you know, it's, uh, I guess, dictionary.com is saying it's a, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance? You know, do you feel important? How do you impose, I guess, power? That kind of thing. So so my first question, David, is Do a, does a sporting director need one or do they need to be able to massage one? Uh,
1: well, going straight to the deep end, uh, first question. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's sequential um, and it depends on the context of the club and the league, what have you. However, as a starting point, starting point, excuse me. If you in any performance realm do not have an ego, I don't know how you survive long-term. You may be able to have a good performance, a good stretch, uh, I mean, depending, oh, just stick to, to uh, football. You might have, be able to have a good start, um, a good you know month or two or three, but if you don't have an ego, uh, and a healthy ego uh, in sports, you're not going to last. And you're you're going to essentially play or perform for other people, which is a cardinal sin. Um, one of the truths that I have as somebody who has played, I played a different sport, but I played it um, through the youth ranks to professional is if you do not play for yourself, you will not play for long. Um, you will not be happy for long. And that doesn't sound like much but when when you when you when you have a profession where everybody can do it better than you especially as a director uh what what do you lean on there's no spreadsheet for that right you know like there's no you, there's no uh tangible uh way uh to have confidence to have ego unless you already have it um that's just my opinion but as far the second part though i, I feel is is where the the masters live, the masters in sports, uh, sports, but especially as a sporting director, if you can massage egos to um, build or continue um, or sometimes rebuild uh, a project, you you have very few peers.
0: So, so I, I get I get it when you say from a competition standpoint, David. But as as a director, I mean, who, who am I competing with? You know, I mean, I, I guess you know the head coaches and the players. Yeah, I mean, that you know, it's all about the competition. But as a director, who who am I actually competing with? Everybody,
1: everybody. And I'm 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 joking, but I'm not. Uh, if if you, um, it, it's it's tricky. But reading player autobiographies, manager autobiographies is very instructive. Because you learn more about behind the scenes relationships um, than you will ever see on Sky Sports or Fabrizio Romano tweeting out or or what have you. Why am I saying that? Uh, Because at the highest level of sport, highest level of football, you have the highest level of, of eyes. So as a sporting director, you have to bring in talent. Okay, You have to bring in players. Those players talk amongst themselves. And depending on the player... Um, you know, the, the harsh reality is, is that, and I'll, you know, I'll just use an extreme example. Um, if you're talking about bringing in, uh, let's just use Kylian Mbappe, why not, right? He has more followers than leagues, okay, uh, on all his social media platforms. He has more pull than, than a, a league full of club presidents and owners, um, just as far as socially. So you have somebody who wants to be in charge, Yeah, I will come play for Club X, but I want um, my 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 buddy, my 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 pal um, who played with me in the youth ranks. I want him to come too, no matter if he's standard or substandard or even viable for your project. How do you as a sporting director handle that? You have to have an ego because if you just here's that word for you, sublimate, if you sublimate yourself to that player. how, How do you keep your project online? Same thing, but even at a higher level with a manager. Managers, I mean, we talk, we might have a podcast about sporting directors. Sporting directors might, you know, be more popular or or, or more visible, maybe is a better word. But managers, the majority of above average managers still grew up in an environment where they had final say on everything player uh, related, right? So how do you manage conversations And how do you how do you achieve alignment with a manager in recruitment and building uh, the squad out? You have to have an ego or he's going to walk all over you. Like you you have to have an ego. Okay, so. Players, manage, manager, management, but then also um, to a certain degree, you. Yes, you're brought in by the ownership and the board, but you have to be able to um, have resolve to tell them. You know, if if they want to get Kylian Mbappe and, you know, not not even financially, which, you know, there's only a few clubs financially that could even take that on. um, But more so, like, if he doesn't fit your playing style and your project and your first team manager, I know that's kind of a stretch because what playing style doesn't fit Kylian Mbappe to a degree? Right. But if he doesn't fit what you are doing, but your manager wants him, how is that going to work? How is that going to work? Let me rephrase that for the, the, you know. The the more dense out there like myself, you will not have a job long. You will not enjoy your job long unless you communicate a why it's not going to work b why you're pushing for other alternatives and c you know, you might need to be put on gardening leave uh, simply because you have to have a resolve for what works that that is sporting directors. They all have egos, but it's in how they execute it that matters. Everybody has an ego. Everybody has You have to have an ego, but you have to know when to execute um, what you believe in and how you want to be treated. Because at the end of the day, that's really more what so it's about. How, how am I to be treated in this club, right? How Manchi needs to be treated is completely different, completely different than how um, uh, Luis Campos needs to be treated or Sven Mislintat needs to be treated, okay? Uh, how Stuart Webber, when he was at Norwich, how he treated the, the media, how he acted, how he answered. Um, and I, I say this respectfully, but like we we have to understand that he's building a persona to protect the project and the club. That's probably not who he really is, right? Like Again, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize that like think about him <laughs> like he, he answers questions. They answer questions in a certain way so that you either attack them or their decision making, not the first team manager, not the players, not ownership. Right. And it's why I've said previously, um, hopefully a lot, that that sporting director, he is a foil. He is a shield for ownership and for the club. You cannot do that. For long, if you don't believe in yourself, and then you know, obviously by extension the club.
0: No, I t- I agree with that. Actually, that 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 does make a lot of sense. But you know, when I when I think about it in in like business circles, and I get sporting directors need to have an ego. You know, I I get that, but they also you know we've mentioned it many times as well previously on on our on our podcast that they also need to exhibit you know, a certain degree of leadership, right? They need to basically show that they're able to lead the project, I guess lead the club, lead the identity to a, to a level as well. And I think, you know, there's plenty of opinions out there which suggest that ego is the enemy of good leadership. So how do they, I guess, balance it? You know, which, which directors would you say are really, really good from the ones that you've profiled at, at doing those things?
1: Yeah, so you're, you're referencing uh, one, uh, I would say it's one of, I hate putting numbers on it, but it's one of the best books I've read um, in, in su- uh, success and performance. Uh, Ego is the Enemy, Ryan Holiday. And I agree with that book 1000%. In a sporting environment, though, there has to, again, um, I'm just going to repeat myself in, in many different ways. If you don't have an identity, the egos will eat each other because we're, we're essentially talking about sharks. Like imagine, I mean, think back to what, 2007, 2008 in Barcelona, and you have young Messi, you have Zlatan Ibrahimović, you have Xavi, you have Iniesta, you have Pep Guardiola. I believe Laporta was there. You have Johan Cruyff. So like you have all of these people, all these personalities who have merit in believing that they are let's just say it's a bastion of good football knowledge. I'm being very very facetious in saying that. They're all I, I mean we're, we're talking first ballot everything and anything, right? Um, yet what is what is the what is the club identity? What matters most? What matters most? What the club actually does on the pitch. Period, right? I mean it's It's hard for me um, it's hard for me ironically to not uh, take this conversation overly personal um, simply because i've seen it I've seen it implode from the inside when the egos are not aligned um, If you have a club identity and a club vision and it's communicated clearly, the egos align themselves accordingly. You have your players who yeah I mean they may have half a billion people who follow them, or they may have their own entourage, but they know um, they know where the line is as far as outwardly and inwardly communicating about leadership. They don't say certain things, you know? Um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Um, of course, I will probably as soon as we get off this uh, recording, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, like when, when players, when, when players are asked to talk about certain issues, um, Like maybe maybe this. So this this conversation is about ego and it's about, um, you know, sporting directors and and how how does that really work? Uh, But the subheading, the subtitle on this, it should be um, communication. Why is communication important? If you do not communicate to highly talented people, they will find a way to do what they do best, which is, oh, yeah, what they do best. And nobody wants to be in a situation where they are not doing their best, they don't feel their best. Um, we are we are so removed from the lack of access to uh, training ground and you know um, seeing um, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo doing leg presses when everybody has left the the facility. We're so removed from that cloud or that veil where we only really got to see players um, in, on TV for adverts and commercials. And then on match day, we see them twenty four seven now. So we think, we think that we understand um, what really uh, uh, drives a player, or he's really committed, and this, that, and the other. I want I I challenge everybody who is not inside a club or inside a sport to think about why a certain message would be posted or tweeted or whatever you call it on Instagram. I don't know. Like like think about it. What is that player? What is that manager? What is that club? What are they trying to project? I call it uh, shameless, mostly harmless propaganda because they want you to think a certain way about what they are doing, what they are building. One of my favorite, favorite club mottos, I don't know if there's one that's better than it um, that I've found is A.S. Monaco's rise, risk, repeat let me be candid. That is propaganda. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is great marketing. That is branding at a high level. But what does that engender to every single profile that is coming there? You need to rise. We are going to like you need to get better. We are going to go for it. It, it might be championships. It might be specifically we're trying to beat PSG this season. At least at home, right? That's the risk part. The risk is that we are going to go for the for the golden ring. We're going to reach for it. And then the repeat, the repeat is is there, it's nuance, but the repeat is hey, we're going to do it again. And what is nuance about to do it again? You might not be here when we do it again because somebody might pluck you out of here, right? So as a manager, as a director, how like you cannot understand that rise risk and repeat without putting yourself into I'm going to call it the matrix. What is your role? What do you do good at? Right? Like, it's okay. It is very, very normal to have an ego, to have a even an inflated sense of oneself. Right? I don't consider that ego. I just consider that that might be for a specific person hubris. But I know he's not a director. Um, but think about, uh, like, just as far as contrast, right? Think about two players who kind of were it. Latan Ibrahimovic, but then think of Thierry Henry. I know he's managed a bit. And I think he's, I think he's managing again with the, the France youth setup. Think about how they communicate. How do they communicate? Even think about Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, Thierry Henry. Think about how they communicate. Why are they communicating as such? Okay, they communicate as such because they know internally. Internally, I know they're not at clubs anymore. However. They know that they want to always project a message of clarity, but I'm going to call it a safe harbor way about talking about performance because they understand who is hearing them. You understand that. It, it really is. It, it's, it's hard. Once you've been at the top, it's hard to go back to doing things that don't work. A perfect example for me is um, uh, Damian Kamali who's at Toulouse. Y- yeah, I mean, I, I understand he might not be everybody's uh, favorite cup of tea, and, and things didn't work out as cleanly, you know, when FSG came into Liverpool, in a, in a sense, in a sense. But when you see what works and when you know how to match data, analytics, whatever you want to call it, performance metrics, when you know how to balance that with human capital, with human leadership and with care and with compassion and understanding the supporters, you put yourself in a position where when you know what works, you know what buttons to press. Um, there is a player. I'm going to see if I can find, there's a player that, uh, that uh, um, Redbird uh, to lose sold or, or let go. Here recently and he had a couple side comments about um, Toulouse and Damien Kamoli and Damien Kamoli De- shut shut it down in a way that was kind of very seemingly there was a lot of ego in it but um, you do that you you apply your I'm gonna call it personal touch in communication you let who you are fly when it's in line with the project or or in defense of the project. So I'll go ahead and let you answer the next question but then I'll, I'll find that um I'll find that player
0: I, I, see, I see where you're coming from David on that but you mentioned Ibrahimovic before right big ego right you Same know, anyway. Seemingly. Okay, seemingly. Fair enough. I mean, if you read his book, <laughs> if you listen to yes. him, it's, it's hilarious. But it's, you yes. know, I would advise anyone to to, to listen to that because it really is an eye opener um, on Ibrahimovic and the character he has. And I, I think everyone should read it, to be fair, um, to get an understanding of just the way he thinks. I mean, that, that's an elite operator right there. But he was at AC Milan, right? You had Maldini there. Yes. Uh, not necessarily, I mean, you know, I never really saw an ego apart from the way he played. But I guess do you have to match these things up at clubs as a sporting director? So if you're at a club like Milan, a big club where you have big egos, you know, if you're if you're if Ronaldo is at a club like Man United and who's managing that, who was doing the same kind of sporting director role at Juventus to manage that level of ego of a player? It's I'm I'm thinking about the setups, the structures, you know. Even Damien Camoli, right? When FSG came in, they start, you know, Liverpool started performing, you know, they've got some big characters in there. Jurgen Klopp, all of, you know, and it's like, well, is Damien Kamoli the right fit now? So I'm just thinking about structures and where certain sporting directors fit. Do you, do you see where I'm coming with that?
1: Yeah, and this is this is why it goes back. Um, that's why I try. I don't know how well I did, but I try to answer the question initially by talking about the identity and the vision of the club. Because we can talk about Zlatan, we can talk about Kamoli, we can talk about Manchi. We can talk about Damian Murtaugh. We can talk about whoever we want. The club is led by ownership and a board who um, I would lean more on the side of wrongly hides. I say that respectfully. They hide behind the sporting director. They don't They don't want. They have enough. I um, almost called it egress. Big word alert Monday. But like they have enough riches and they have enough they have enough stuff that they don't always want. They only really want to be seen or heard around the football club when things are going great. Right. So when we hear about, uh, or when we see the Tony blooms or when we see the Matthew Benhams on a regular basis, that is not normal. It is not like, I I want, if nothing else to answer your question directly, initially, or at least for me to try. um, Yes. Yes. There is there is a time and a place and the structures that we don't always have privy knowledge to. Right. Um, we think we do because we we piece together a lot of information, but we won't. We never will. Like uh, what happened at AC Milan? We probably won't know for another two, three years on the early side. Right. I would bet this is me. This is my opinion, my assumption. I would bet that. There is some level of okay. Um, on Maldini's side, look, we won the Scudetto. We have a certain level of talent here. Um, looking across the the Serie A la- landscape, we need to go in this direction, probably slightly higher profile, or or we need to. I mean, again, I don't I don't know. I'm not inside the club. I'm not even trying to act like I even know. I'm just. Uh, presenting uh, the the thought piece here, or he's saying, no, we have what we need. We have what we need. We are two windows away from maybe getting Kylian Mbappe, or maybe getting whoever, whoever on the landscape. But we we need to hold, as they say here, here in the states, we need to keep our gunpowder dry so that we can get what we specifically want or what AC Milan the club the crest specifically needs that's not till 2025 making up stuff and yeah. then you know redbird or or um oh i forget his name um whoever the the CEO the managing ceo above is like no 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 we have we have capital um these are the players that fit you know our playing style they'll fit in with uh, pioli blah 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 and that that is not; those two sides are not really sides; they're perspectives. But who has the upper hand? Whoever's directly tied to ownership, right? Like it. Did, so that's why you oust. Again, I mean, I don't like it personally. I, I'm biased, but it is what it is. That, that's why Maldini has gone, because he wasn't linked to ownership. <laughs> it's really that simple. We don't like it, or or we we may try to add layers to it. But that's the bottom line. So if you're not, a, no matter how great your ego is, no matter what you have done for the club, no matter what you have done in a league or even literally on the pitch, if you're not aligned with the person who writes the checks and, and pays the bills and the expenses for the club, it, it doesn't matter if you have a great ego or you have a non-ego or you massage egos.
0: You won't last. Is, that, is it not also a chain of command thing? David, I mean, like, obviously we're never going to know them out doing anything, but I'm thinking of you got, you? got your big players, your big managers, you know, do they circumvent chain of command? Is there, is there such a thing that you've experienced based on the directors you profile? Do they like having that kind of chain of command?
1: Uh, it's a fair question. I, I don't think that you, if you're a sporting director and you, let's be honest, some sporting directors, um, just because of um wanting to take the next step uh in a and there's nothing wrong with wanting to build uh build your CV. v i'm I'm not really getting at that. I'm just saying more so you know a new opportunity, new exposure, new contacts, new profiles, um new reference points. you take a a job uh, a recruitment job in a different context, whether it's in the league or in a different country, and you realize within ninety days. Oh wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I mean, everybody reacts differently and there's there's trigger points, right? But at the end of the day, you do not, you do not circumvent like you don't do that because people talk and the football club world, if if you will, is an even smaller smaller um uh, population. So, it's one thing and again, I maybe I don't know how well it aligns with what we're saying, but I, I think that if you look, if you look at the arc of Stuart Weber's role at Norwich City, and, and you and you had a little bit more information as far as what was going on in the background, I'm not directly tying it to or, or putting on the parallel tracks to what Arsene Wenger did at Arsenal. I'm not really trying to say that as far as scope. I'm trying to say more so that. When we focus as a, I say this somewhat respectfully, when we as football supporters, fans, watchers, football, Twitter, when we um, densely only focus on, oh, what did, who did they sign this transfer window? Oh, this manager isn't good enough. Oh, we needed a striker two, two windows ago. When you only focus on that, yet you don't see that fiscal year after fiscal year the balance of the budget is green. They're being able to add more stability and infrastructure to keep the prod, uh, project viable. Those things are not headline material. They're not. But fi- firing Daniel Farca is, you know, saying that you don't watch women's football is, right? Why would you say those things? Why would you do those things to protect the project? And it, it, these are things that at, at the end of the day, Um, maybe I'm giving the keys to the castle. Maybe I need to keep my mouth shut, but like we we, we have, we have to get past. If you want to talk about sporting directors, you want to talk about performance. You want to talk about making decisions at a high level where everybody is panning and weighing your decisions. You have to get past win losses and draws. You have to get past. Oh, well, they're flying in Caduce from Ajax. You know, if they don't sign him, it's going to be a bad transfer window. That is elementary thinking. Yeah. That is elementary. It's basic. That is not that is not where football recruitment. That is not where sporting directors really move the needle. That is <laughs> that that is not that is not it. And again, you know, even to be even more candid, recruitment is not just the sporting director. It's not just one person. It's multiple people. I mean, you could have 20 different people inside, outside of a club working on a transfer to get somebody somewhere. Like Moises Caicedo from Brighton to Chelsea, it was not five people. It was not. It was not. I mean, just him signing his contract alone with Chelsea. Those who are not his family standing behind him, I think it's four or five people from Chelsea, right? This is is not like we, we assign too much credit to the sporting director. Yet we want to um, essentially stone him at the gates when things don't go well. That is not it. That has never been it. It's never been it. The sporting directors, the really, really good ones, they know. So i am answer your question later because it's what I do. Sorry. But you need to have an <laughs> ego. You need to have an ego. But you also have to know how to channel all the egos in the club. All of them. All of them. From the opposition analysis analyst to the physio to the first team manager to your your top striker to the lady at the canteen like you you have to be able to keep everybody up up exclamation point they have to be up if you cannot do that if you cannot do that over the long haul all these things that we talk about um whether it's data, whether, whether it's structure, whether it's, you know, um, money, big money transfers, building, burning, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I guarantee you somebody else can do it just as well, um, just as well as you. Right. But if they do not have that level of communication and leadership.
0: They will burn out. Uh, that's the key, right? I mean, I think you said I mean, the, the leadership is, is key. I think, as you mentioned before. But, you know, as we've ascertained, the directors do need to have an ego, right? And But I guess in terms of the keys to the castle, I was going to actually ask you, David, to maybe give us some of those keys or at least open the door a little bit um, based on what you've you've seen or heard. And I just want, you know, what types of activity, you know, that a sporting director performs would, you know, either inflate or, I guess, deflate their ego and, and the way they operate? kind of things i know we mentioned recruitment we mentioned managing we mentioned new initiatives what have you seen
1: well i mean I, I think that at the end of the day you you have to be you have to be aware of what the dynamic is and uh, being aware of what the dynamic is is that you have if there's somebody that has been in football for 30 years and you've been a sporting director for 18 months, you should probably play. You massage that person's ego, even if, spoiler alert, even if they are an agent, even if they are.
0: <laughs> you yeah. know, it's
1: funny. I feel like people um, socially think that, that agents, intermediaries are, are the scum of the earth. It's not true. I mean, yeah, all, you're always going to have some that are just... Scoundrels. I mean, it is what it is. But like, the majority of them are not that. If you if you could hear some of the stories that I've heard from agents about what they've done, what they've tried to not let happen for their players, you would say to yourself, "Whoa, I, I thought you were just a, a money grubbing, you know, soulless <laughs> human being, right?" But you, as a sporting director, you have to you have to know, and this is. It's gonna sound manipulative and to a degree it is, but um, this is this is the game that you've you've chosen to, to go to the highest reaches on or to whatever reaches you're comfortable on. You have to understand how to get one step closer to where you can get the project to the next phase. Period. Some people say chess, I don't really I mean chess is fine, but it's too static for me. Only one like one, like to me it's, it's to get super uh, uh, abstract to me it's jazz. how do you play the next note without knowing who's playing next right like maybe not a great example but like like you have to make music you have to consistently and again this goes back to the previous previous questions I'll just keep throwing Stuart Weber's name out there what how do we get it to a point where people are are not um, they're not attacking the bigger Project, right? Look at look up, look up the owners of Norwich. Look them up. Look them up. You 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 get to see really quickly that Stuart was doing. I want to joke around and say it was doing the Lord's work. No, no, no. no. I, I'm saying more for this. <laughs> Stuart was doing his best to build. Build, 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 stabilize, 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 and keep the masses, the supporters happy, happy enough so that the major building projects, whether he signed on to them and communicated as such to the owners or not, or he said, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. if and This is me. I'm making this up. I don't know if I, how much longer I can take this on. I have other things I want to do in my life. But I want to make. I'm just making this up. But I want to make sure that the new facilities are done by 2024. If I can, if I can get to that point, there's somebody else who's just as capable, if not more capable, who can take this on and take uh, the club to the next level. We we are mistaken. We are mistaken if we think that one person is the torchbearer for the um. Let's just call it the. the the higher the higher realm of a club, it really doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen. The the only example that I can sort of think of um, is Real Madrid with Florentino Perez, but that's a slightly different deal. Um, Arsene Wenger, as much as he did for Arsenal, he he's human. He's human, right? And he got to a point whether, and this is me saying this, where literally physically he cannot do. All of what he did, even 10 years, five years prior, five seasons prior, somebody else has to do it and or we need to fracture all of his responsibilities so that the bigger project can get done. Listen to a podcast with Mario Gomez, technical director of Red Bull football. And one of the things he said, um, just, I mean, he was actually talking about his playing career, but it's, I, I think it, it, it's the same in recruitment. It's just a little bit longer window. Um there's there's always another opportunity. It's not that you're always happy and you always, you know, make the most of them, but like you always have to have this mindset there's there's going to be another opportunity, so I need to just keep focusing on what works. And when we talk about ego, when we talk about being able to massage egos, sometimes it's publicly having a scapegoat or being being the scapegoat, right? Sometimes that's fair. Um, I talk about him seemingly uh, every week now, but Manchi has been a scapegoat multiple times. But also believe he has been the hero, and he's made sure he has made sure that when he's the hero, he he gets his flowers right. So it, it's not it's not as clean um, of a of an answer as I think we would all like. But there's a time and a season to be the bad guy or the villain if you will. Um you know the one who's who's been tasked with cleaning out the squad. Man, you got to do that sometimes, right? It is what it is. There's other times where you are the the, the white knight on the horse and you're just saying, "Hey, we have the budget. We're going to get this player. We're going to get that player. It's going to ma- mesh perfectly with the first team manager. We have these young products in the academy." I mean, there's a time for that as well. However, how does that, again, how does that align with the project and the vision and the identity of the club? If those do not, if those factors, if those details do not match up, you're, you're going to crash it into the rocks of, of expectations. Um, and and that, that is where, again, the communication piece, like I said a couple of questions ago, what are you communicating? There, there can't be a void of communication. Right, I said it last week. What are Chelsea's aims for this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean they're somewhat, you know, um, expected, you know, Champions League. But when you don't say that, when you don't communicate that, you put pressure on everybody every single match day to keep the pace. Yes, I understand that it's, you know, it it should be, um, should be understood. But what happens? What happens when you go through a stretch? whether it's Boxing Day or whatever, where you're behind the numbers, when you're behind the probabilities, what happens then? What is that communication? You kill that bird, communication wise, in July. (laughs) You kill that bird in the summer transfer window by saying things, by laying down the law, right? And and that's where, again, like I said, I, I, I don't I don't know if it's a key to the castle, but like you, you can do a lot of good in a in a sporting environment by communicating to everybody who is who, what is what, and what we are going for.
0: No, totally. I mean, we've mentioned it many times before about the communication and how that is so vital, and that's in any walk, I think, in any business sense or any environment, managerial environment or anything like that. Um, you know, and the scapegoat point is quite interesting, actually, because um, it's at all levels of football, really. I think you know whether you're the white knight or you're the or you're the enemy or the, you know, whatever you may be um, in that environment. David, just the, the last question I wanted to just ask, and and a little bit about the ego side, but just on a, you know, it's, it's been mentioned that. The more ego you have, the more detached you are from reality in some respects. And I'm just wondering if you look at it from a league perspective, like the Premier League, sometimes is like what what universe, what what, what galaxy are these guys on compared to maybe a more, I guess, stable. I wouldn't say stable. Stable is the wrong word, but a league where I guess is a, a little bit more connected to the finances and what is you know the means within that league. Do you think? Certain directors are suited to certain leagues, or does it not really matter? I know you've mentioned about fitting a fit and identity to clubs, um, and that's obviously paramount. But are there just some league, I guess, attributes that a director would be linked to more? Oh,
1: that's a good question. I, I I think it it always, um, well, okay. Let me let me start let me start over. I think it's a good question. The the question to always ask yourself if you're thinking about would such and such director in this league or in this country or at this club fit in at or at A, I'm just going to use the quotation mark, "bigger club or a different club. I mean, owners, owners, ownership, boards, chairmans, whatever what have you, they, they are the club. they are the club. Um, they they have to be able to see and have an infrastructure of, of I'm going to call it decision making, that actually works. So a perfect example is um, Aston Villa. They signed Johan Long, Lange from uh, FC Copenhagen in Denmark. I believe that was either end of 21 or early 22, they signed him. Um, he is not munchy. He he likes to build stuff behind the scenes. He's more of a pathways guy. He's thinking about the academy. He's thinking about 2026, 2027. Um, how, how do we make sure that we get as much uh, output, flow through and output from what we already have while um, trying to accumulate as many Complementary or supplementary parts as possible. So my question, and this is me internally before it was it was fairly obvious that munchie was going to Austin Austin Villa. I was like, okay. So if 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 Langa stays, then what, right? Because again, I mean, we talked about it. One of the things that these bigger clubs and bigger leagues do is that they get multiple sporting director types, technical director types under one umbrella. On paper, that's great. In the locker or uh, locker room, Americans speak in the changing room, in, in the in the canteen. When you're passing each other in the hall, you can't hide your dislike for somebody taking one of your roles away, right? You can't, you can't. You know, uh, for those uh, who are listening, who have never played in a sporting environment, everybody who works at the club—it's not every day, right? But it's on a regular basis. You have to pass each other. You you see the coaches, you see the backroom staff, you see ownership. Usually. So if you don't like them, it's very hard to fake that, especially ding, 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 if you're an alpha, because you don't have. <laughs> I've never met a, uh, let's call it a sociable alpha, you know, like somebody who understands social cues. Ah, oh, now is not the time to air our grievances, right? If you don't <laughs> like somebody and you're top dog, you're going to let them know you don't like them. It's not always verbally, but you're going to let them know, right? So my question with, uh, with Austin Villa a couple, well, it's almost been two or three months now, was like, okay, so how does that work if they all stay? And from what I hear, um, Johan Long is doing great work, but he prefers, he prefers to be more in the background and he prefer, prefers to be more of the pathways person. Manchi is obviously, I mean, at this point, all but worldwide and is an icon. He's a symbol of the role. So let him do the bigger deals. Let him do the more uh, public-facing roles. Let him be in, uh, I'm going to say incognito, in uh, in simpatico with Unai Emery. Let let them do all that. But let's take away some of the more supplementary, long-term build um, uh, criteria that we normally would have one person do, one director do, and keep that in Johan Long's um, wheelhouse. So the, and I hope, I hope I'm answering your question. Um, There's, there's always an opportunity to have alignment and I'll say symbiosis with what you're doing, but it is incumbent on ownership to define and communicate expectation for everybody at the club. Period. Like that is, that is it. Like that, I mean, what business, what successful business has seven different owners? When you find that one, let me know, right? There is one owner and he may have somebody who does his dirty work, if you will, say an office manager or a president, whatever, whatever their title is. But there is one owner, one decision maker. And that is up to everybody else beneath him to honor and respect. And again, it's not, I'm making it sound really simple and really, really, um, binary. It's not, it never will be. We're talking about humans and we're talking about the, the opportunity to be, uh, legendary on the pitch, but then also in the boardroom. So you're going, you're going to have people who overstep their bounds. You are going to have opportunities that make prior plans seemingly useless. So in in that vein everything i'm saying is valid but it does it doesn't matter until it's tested doesn't matter until it's tested so that's why when i talk reverently about clubs like say athletic bilbao or uh, the red bull leipzigs and red bull salzburgs sturmgrats um even to a certain degree like bayern munich it's it's so hard it's so hard to have um guidelines and and a culture that you're either in or you're out of it's so hard because it's the easy thing to do is to take the next opportunity and you see that all the time you see it all the time especially in the premier league we have the money we have the opportunity we have parachute payments
0: if it all goes back
1: that's that's
0: yeah. problematic yeah now those clubs that you just mentioned they you know they definitely have more of an identity associated with it I think it's interesting that you mentioned Villa and and Monchi and what's happening there I mean we did have an episode and I'll put a link in the show notes to it um, called Villa Vision where we did go into a bit more depth about what's happening at Aston Villa and and it could be a change of their identity with you know personnel like Monchi coming in and and what he stands for I guess like you said in in an iconic status with regards sporting directors David listen it's been it's been a really interesting conversation actually on this and and I think its it will be fascinating to see how it plays out in the future for some of these directors and some of these clubs. You know, the more voices you have in the room can be good for discussion and debate. But at the end of the day, who makes the decision? Who who potentially has the biggest ego to, I guess, influence that end point discussion or decision that's made? So it's been really interesting, David. And I really, really, you know, thank you for your insight on this. And as always, I'll put David's. Twitter handle in the show notes, you know, he puts out some really, really great tweets and information about directors that he's been profiling and and it's more than directors actually, it's just generally the football landscape, which is really, really fascinating from an outside sense. And as always, you know, please keep an eye out for all all of the content that we put out on our Get Football outlets, you know, all of the news, all of the opinions, all of the videos, you know, that we put out from some of the most plugged in analysts that we have. And then I'll put a a link to the show notes in, in, in that as well. And as always, and lastly, I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to to listen to this podcast and any feedback that you have, then please let us know any topics that you'd like to go into. Please let us know as well going forward. And we just wish you have a great day.